You're listening to Faith Community Church's weekly podcast. We hope this week's message from God is insightful and an inspiration to you. Uh, with that, can we invite Andy to come forward and um, just share his word this morning? Sarah, it's good to be here. And um, You know, I think the thing that I, wa- I wanted us to start with this morning is prayer. Um, we all know about what's happening around the world. We know that there are believers in Ukraine. We've seen some of the imagery of the beautiful songs and hymns that Christians together, children and parents are singing in the underground tunnels of Kiev. We know that there's believers in Russia who are pleading to God that this whole conflict end. And I'm heartened to see Russian people standing up to Russia to say this is one bald-faced lie on the streets of Russia, and they don't care if they go to prison to do it. So God is in charge, but I think it's important for us. We need to call out to God for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are in Ukraine, some of whom are probably taking up weapons to defend their democracy, Um, as well as I know believers in Russia who are doing the right work of being a dissident to say this is not right. We're crying foul to our leader who calls himself a leader. So I just want to say, let's go into a moment of just silence and prayer. I'm personally going to bow on this stage because I need to be reminded, as Liz called out earlier, God is sovereign. Um, but let's just sit in silence, call out to God what's in your, in your heart, and I will close us in prayer as we pray for the nations. Dear Father, I thank you for ministries like Royal Family Camp who are proactively trying to protect children against violence and harm. Bless their work. I also ask as one voice of many hearts who are calling out to you, God, would you in your sovereign way enter into the pain and the suffering to do remarkable redemptive work bring people to know Jesus minister to the sick and the dying and the families who are losing loved ones I don't know why it was for me by seeing the imagery it breaks my heart to think of how do the parents describe to the children what's happening help parents to parent their children in Ukraine Now the world is filled with even more refugees. Help the surrounding nations to minister in love and in grace and in compassion. Help our country to provide for other refugees. God, bring an end to this. Bring an end to this. You know better than us that history is loaded with little, little men with big egos doing great damage. God, end it. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. With that, I I just know we needed to do that. We needed to partner with other people around the globe. 
With that, I want to encourage you to get into God's Word with me today. We're going to look at Philippians chapter 4 and verse 10. And as you're grabbing a Bible in front of you, Philippians chapter 4 verse 10, I want to remind you, we have free Bibles in the back that if you want to have a Bible that you can take and give to somebody, which by the way, I was reading that this is this might be something we might ship the rest of our Bibles to Ukraine. I guess they desperately want to hand out Bibles because obviously people are in need. But if you want a Bible, take it. I also want to invite up here a dear friend, somebody who's very precious to me, Ruth Orlando, because Ruth Orlando is going to read from God's Word this morning from Philippians 4 verse 10. Um, Before Ruth reads, I just want to let you know how this lady is so important to this church. From the very beginning at Faith Community Church, she has been a fierce prayer warrior. Um, She has prayed for the people of this church. She's been on our prayer team. She right now currently is taking prayer requests as they come in and is immediately as they come in passing them out so the people pray. But also very dear to me, she's kind of like an adoptive aunt sort of to our our kids. Um, As well as you may, most of you don't know this, but for 15 years before service has started, she's pulled me aside or somebody from the preaching team just to pray over us before we preach to remind us that God's grace goes with us in our weakness. So would you give Ruth a hand for her humble service in this church? I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet, it is good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts, what I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are fragrant offering and acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Jesus Christ. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and the sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings especially those belonging to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. A reading from 
Philippians 4, verses 10 through 23. Thank you, Ruth. Appreciate it so much. Well, it's good to get into God's Word, and this morning we're going to talk about generosity. And, and I want to start by telling you a story that not, does not reflect well on me. Um, I, I start, have to start by, first of all, saying how thankful I am to Alita's mom, my mother-in-law, Jan Prinzavalli, who is affectionately known as Nona to my kids. Um, I'm thankful for the many, many times that Nona took her grandkids, Cassidy, Michael, and Joshua, when when she knew that Alita and I had to get some work done and she would watch them during work days. I'm super, super thankful for the ways that she would watch our house when we desperately needed a vacation and she watched our funky dog, Ellie Mae, and now she supervises our very funky cat, Poppy. I'm just thankful for her generosity. She was very much a part of helping us get into our house, very much a part of helping Cassidy and Michael and now Josh go to college. And so I'm just super thankful for her in many, many ways. And I'm also thankful for a life lesson that she taught me a couple years ago. At the time, uh, Nona was being incredibly generous, as she has been, as I've told you, because she knew Alita and I, I, I we didn't have a lot of income. I, I was making big bucks as a college pastor. Just kidding. And Alita was working practically for free trying to get her marriage and family therapy license at the time. So we didn't have a lot of scratch in our home. And so she offered, super gracious, to fully pay for our daughter Cassidy to go to a private preschool education, which was important to Alita because she got to work at Stanford University's preschool education department. She knew how important that was and really wanted to, but we couldn't afford it. She says, I'll pay for it fully. That was a huge gift because... We didn't think we could afford the cost after paying for housing and food and gas. And, and we also had made these commitments to God that we wanted to give to God for, for his work in the world every month and all of that kind of thing. So it just, I just appreciated her helping us and giving us sort of some, some lack of financial stress. We had some margin. But it came up in conversation. We were just talking about life with my mother-in-law. And it came up in conversation that Alita and I were giving money to our church every month. And you could noticeably tell that made her really uncomfortable. Now, before I tell you kind of what she said to us in so many words, you have to understand this, and this is in all fairness to her. You have to understand my mother-in-law grew up legitimately disappointed and angry with the religion that she grew up in and its massive excesses of financial grossness, shall we say. And so she has, understandably, some conflicted feelings about God and about church. And so in the conversation, when she heard it, she said to us in so many words, she says, so if, if you can afford to give to your church, why am I paying for Cassidy's tuition? And I was immediately convicted. And I was pierced to the heart by the Holy Spirit with the thought just injected by the Holy Spirit. Andy, she's asking a great question, and she is making a great point. And I had to admit that I was most willing and free to be generous towards God when I felt like I had a comfortable financial margin. And I know you get it. I know everybody I'm looking at, you get it. Here's my question this morning, and it's for me and it's for you. How generous are you towards the God who's been scandalously generous to you? How generous are you towards God? 
Now, let me, let's pause as we process this. Please, let's not enter into the pointless self-condemnation, which is the church thing, right? Immediately like, oh, I hate myself. You're right. Let's not do the pointless self-condemnation thing that leads us nowhere. Let's consider the question within the safety of God's grace that he pours out to us as we sit here in worship right now. And so within the good grace of God and his mercy for us, we can chuckle at ourselves, okay? So let's, let's create those ground rules as we talk about this. So let's ask, are you generous towards God? Not much. Like if you're just looking at your own life and you just kind of, you're honest with yourself, yeah, not much. I mean, I, I give him a tip. He gets a couple hundred bucks or whatever a year. Um, I give back a little bit of time and I give back a little bit of money here and there. And if your honest assessment is not, not much. Are you generous towards God a bit? There might be more of us. This, is, this has been my history. A bit where it's within the margins that make you feel like you're in control. And, and so you're comfortable and it leaves you feeling com- comfortable enough within the set margins that you have for yourself. So you still got room for that bigger TV and you still got room for, you know, when that, that comes up or this comes up, whatever it is. Are you generous towards God a lot? And I know there's people here in this church who fit this where you, you enjoy the pleasure of entering into God's pleasure of investing in eternity with portions of your time and with portions of the talents that he's given you and with portions of the treasures that he's just lavished upon you. Now, here's what I'm going to say as we look at the screen, generous towards God, not much, a bit, a lot. I'm going to guess, just a guess, that most of us fit probably into the camps of not much and a bit. And so let's have some more fun with exploring this in our hearts. And ask the question, if you're in the not much or maybe a bit camp as you look at this and self-assess, the next question is be, why? Why is that? Here's a question. Is it about scarcity for you? Or is it about, because, and, and by the way, just, just in all grace to everybody, this is what's constantly being pummeled at us all the time through advertising, through everything. It's all scarce out there. It's so have, it, maybe you believe the narrative that there's just not nearly enough to go around. So, so whatever does come into your hands, your time, precious, right? It's a precious commodity, your talent, your treasures, whatever does come into your hand, it's scarce, and so you got to protect it because it might be all you're going to have. So maybe, is that, is that it for you? Scarcity? Is it about loss? Maybe you're afraid you're going to lose what you do have. And so you're really careful to hoard what you do have for your needs when you, you don't know when you might need it. So you're like a squirrel sort of packing things away. In the background, by the way, just so you know, and we saw this in the stock market this week, once upon a time, I got to go on a little walk with Alita's uncle Bob back east, who was one, the chief research officer for Lake Mason, which is a major East Coast financial firm. And he told me, we were walking along, and I was like, what is this whole thing with economies? And he says, Andy, the secret to economies is not about people trying to invest to gain more. It's all about protecting against loss. So just so you know, whole economies in the world, and you could watch it on the stock market this week, it's not based on, hey, how much more can we gain? It's based on padding and protecting against loss. Is that you at home? How about this? Is it FOMO? Fear of missing out. 
Maybe you fear that if you're generous towards God with your time, which is a precious commodity, don't get me wrong, I get that. And, and, and you're generous towards God with your talents that he's given you and your treasures. You're going to miss out on consuming all of the great things that your friends and neighbors are enjoying all the time. You're just going to miss out. And you fear that you're going to miss out on having any fun with the treasures that you've worked so hard. And you have. You've worked really hard to have these treasures in your possession and to enjoy them with your life. What we're going to do this morning is a bit of a generosity assessment in this safe space of God's grace today as we finish the study in Philippians. I hope you will both be experiencing equal measures of grace and truth this morning. So let's look at what God's word says about all this. Paul finishes his letter, if you, I don't know if you noticed it, as Ruth read it. Thank you, Ruth, for reading it. Basically, he finishes his letter with a big thank you. Thank you so much to the people of Philippi. But as he's thanking them, he also is telling us a lot about the economy of God's generosity, the kingdom economy of God's generosity. Now, most scholars think that as Paul wrote the book of Philippians, probably his whole original intent to write the letter originally was to write a thank you. And and then kind of got going, and he wanted to say thank you for sending Epaphroditus, and thank you for sending a generous financial gift to them. And you and I, if you go, wait, but Andy, isn't this, this, this is a thank you at the end of the letter? That's kind of weird, because, right, we're so good in our Western culture of, like, let's get to the point. Like, if we're going to write a thank you, you know, I do it. We, we buy thank you cards, and it says thank you on the very front page. And then we flip it open, and we say again, thank you. I'm getting to the point. Thank you. So you're like, wait, Paul's doing this at the very end. What, what, why, why? Why is he doing that? Well, part of it's cultural, but there's two main reasons why Paul does this thank you at the end. One is, Paul, as you know, we've studied the first chapters. He wanted to help the people that he loved in Philippi address some beginning strains of disunity in the church. And we all know how disunity can cause so much pain within the church, right? We've been living in those times. He wanted to address that, and he wanted to address the deeper spiritual formation of the people. So he wanted to get to that. And second, and he's a great communicator, because I get how this goes, he wanted to speak, he wanted to get through these challenging things and then end on a high note, and end on the positive, like, and by the way, thank you so much. I get that as a communicator. You always want to end on a high note. And so at the end of this letter, Paul expresses the fact he's deeply grateful for their support. They had sent Epaphroditus. If you have your Bible, flip back a couple chapters to chapter 2, verse 25. And Adam, by the way, thank you for doing that, Adam, a couple weeks ago, preached on this part of the passage about Epaphroditus. They had sent him, and Epaphroditus wanted to go, to help Paul. He's writing this whole letter under house arrest, probably in Rome. He went and he helped Paul. He had traveled probably about, it's about 300 miles, and he traveled, and then he was helping Paul in a house arrest situation and helped him to the point of getting really sick. And if you read 225, Philippians 225, to the point of he got like he might die kind of sick and then recovered. So let's stop and think about that. This guy comes and he's helping Paul. What does that mean about the church? That means that the church, the kind of guy that Epaphroditus was, he's willing to go 300 miles, help an apostle in prison, help him to the point of getting really sick, help him to the point that he's almost dying in his sickness. 
That's the kind of person in a church, most churches go, no, 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 don't go help Paul, stay here with us. You, you're the, you need to lead worship next Sunday. You know, you've got to take the offering and then count the offering. You're, the, you're, the, you're our people. That's the kind of person that most churches want to hoard. Don't, no, 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 don't go anywhere. Don't do anything. Stay here. But what did they do? They shared him. Go help Paul. Go serve Paul. And they'd also sent a stack of cash with Epaphroditus because they didn't have wire transfers in those days, just in case you didn't know. Um, they didn't do that kind of thing. He had a stack of cash or coin or whatever it was as the circumstances had finally lined up for them, for them to give this gift to Paul. And Paul thanks Philippi, and as he's doing it, he makes clear that though the money did meet a need, like, thank you, it met a need, it was not meeting of his financial needs that most moved Paul. Did you hear, did you see that in, in the thread of what was read? See, Paul, Paul says he, he had learned by the way, meaning this was not a natural skill to him. He had learned to be content with what God made available in any of his circumstances, whether he was well-fed or he was hungry, whether he had plenty or he didn't have enough. Because he had learned this as he kept finding out how God would give him the strength to make it through any situation with whatever it was that God was providing in that situation. So he said, I've learned to be content. So what I'm trying to say to you is, In my contentment, the money was helpful and it got something done. But here's the bigger point. What Paul was most interested in was the beautiful thing God was doing in the hearts of the Philippians. To inspire them to generously share with Paul in his troubles. And and to feel his struggle as if it was their own struggle. And then they wanted to generously partner with him. They wanted to do something about it. That was what most moved him, more than the cash. Like, your hearts are connected to me and to God and to what God wants to accomplish in this world. Man, that gets me excited. And that's why Paul recalls previous times when they lived within the generous economy of God's kingdom. He's like, that guy, get excited. Remember? And he goes, remember the time when I was in Macedonia? Remember that time? And you were the only church who gave me anything to partner with me. Remember that? You were working in God's generous economy. Oh, yeah. And he goes, remember the time I was in Thessalonica? And, and you gave to me again? And he says, and again. Remember that time? Paul was most moved by the hearts of these people. They had this history of generosity to the mission of God. And in the end, Paul says, this is what he was most thankful for. And I'll put it up on the screen, verse 17. He says, it's not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. Or as, I like how Eugene Peterson put it in his translation, the message for that verse. Here's how he puts it. Paul's saying, not that I'm looking for handouts, I want you to experience the blessing that issues from being generous. For Paul, it wasn't about gratitude so much for their money, although there was that. But it was more about deep gladness, seeing God's people being formed into the likeness of Jesus, becoming generous people. People who live in the rhythms of God's generous kingdom economy. People who were learning, like Paul admits he'd had to learn, to be content with what God provides. That's the greatest form of wealth, to be content with what you got. So that their contentment made them Teflon to rampant debt 
and rampant desire for more. They became, and the contentment makes you Teflon to debt and desire. And then freeing them from that, they become free for being generous financially. And even generous like Epaphroditus, adventurous with their lives for the kingdom of God. Paul told them that that kind of giving that isn't being happening reluctantly, it's not happening under compulsions, people aren't making them do this, but it's flowing out of the gladness of their hearts. He says, by the way, just so you know, when you do that, it's a fragrant aroma. It's an acceptable offering to God because God looks at it and it makes him overjoyed because he looks at his kids. He goes, my kids are looking like me. They look generous instead of stingy. And God goes, oh, I love that. That's what Paul says. And Paul also knew that when God's people, it's funny how we take this verse and put it on bumper stickers. My God will supply all your needs. And we translate that in American Christianity into, he'll give me everything I want. That is not what it means. Paul says, no, when you're being generous and you're living in God's generous economy, he says that God will start to, you start to, you advance the work of God in the world, that God has this masterful way to supply for the needs that do arise when we sacrifice hiving off a portion of our time and our talent and our money for the things of God. God comes in and rushes in. He takes care of your need. And it's the coolest thing. That's what Paul says. Paul is deeply grateful that the church in Philippi was being formed into Jesus-like generous people who lived in God's economy of generosity while they were still living in a broken world that's based on the lie of scarcity and based on self-preservation. And you and I are in the same place. We live in a broken world, in a broken economy that's constantly preaching. It's all about scarcity, and it's all about your self-preservation. And we, like the people in Philippi, can live different lives. See, here's the point I want us to see. Is that you and I, we live in a new kingdom with an economy of generosity. That's the real kingdom that we're living in. Not the broken world kingdom. When Paul says, I have learned to be content. Listen carefully to what he's saying. He's saying, I haven't always been this way. Stop making Paul out into some sort of Marvel character, spiritual superhero, where he's just like, wait, what? He had to learn something? Yes, he's a human being. He's saying, I haven't always been this way. I haven't always been content. I've lived a lot of my life with another way of thinking about how to use my time and the talent and the treasures that God has given to me. I have to believe that Paul would probably also add, I have lived with the perspective of scarcity in the world and and, and in my life. I have lived with the fear of loss and and the commitment to preserve that all that I can enjoy of what feels like limited time and limited talents and limited resources. But what Paul is saying to us is I've learned the riches of contentment, a new way of thinking about and using all that God generously gives to me. And as the apostle Paul learned this, so we get to learn for the rest of our lives. It's not a one-time set it and forget it, where it's like, I gave FCC a hundred bucks every year. Check. No, we're constantly growing in this. As the Apostle Paul learned this, so we must learn the rhythms of God's economy of generosity that Paul is teaching here. Learning to be people who are content and generous and adventurous. That's what God wants for this church. To learn contentment. Learning 
that in God's economy of generosity, we can be just as confident that God's got our back when we're still being generous towards him and we don't have a lot as well as when we have a lot. Learning to be content. He, he can take care of what we've got. What we have is enough to learn the riches. I always told my kids this and they learned to roll their eyes because that's when I knew I got through. It's like, is that, I said, who's the richest person on the planet? The person who's content. <laughs> that's the richest person on the planet. Those who are content. To learn contentment. But out of that contentment, to learn generosity. To learn to be generous. Learning how to start being generous with your time, which over the last years we have found at Faith Community Church, sometimes more than your money is getting harder and harder for people to give up your time. But to be generous with your time, to be generous with your talents. God has given you physical talents. He has given you emotional talents and mental talents. And by the way, the Holy Spirit has invested in you spiritual gifting to invest your, ta- your treasures as God gives them generously to us, and then to not just get started, but to keep growing, to grow more and more and more vibrant in participating in the mission of God through these assets that he's given you for a lifetime. And then finally, to be adventurous. Being set free from the misadventures of debt and desire, which is how the whole broken economy of the world works. Christian friend, church, hear me. To live an adventurous life for the kingdom of God is going to start by you addressing your misadventures in debt and your misadventures in consumption. If you've got to stop walking to Costco because those TVs keep talking to you like they do to me, just stop going to Costco. To get out, be free from the misadventures of debt and desire that are often by the, offered by the broken world economy so that we can be free for adventurous lives for God's kingdom because debt and desire are not our anchors anymore. Which for a lot of us right here that I'm looking at and maybe you're watching online, those are anchors in your life. You can't be adventurous. I really like what New Testament scholar Lynn Kohick got to give her credit. She has been an incredible scholar through the book of Philippians as I've been studying this together with the church. And I love her observation that she presents about Paul's thoughts on God's generous economy. Here's what she says. Our want and our abundance are both opportunities to know better the hand that cannot fail to fill us. In God's generous economy, the condition of want or the condition of abundance, they don't hold any bearing over whether we will or we won't be generous like Jesus. It just doesn't have any bearing over that. And when we live generously like Jesus, here's what happens. We discover more and more and more how he never fails to fill us. And I'm not talking prosperity gospel crap, which is where, you know, if you give to me, you know, if people at home on the live stream and said, put your hand on my hand on the screen and I will pray for you if you give me $5,000 and you'll get your black Cadillac. I'm not talking about that kind of crap where God fills you up. I am talking about God meeting your needs, kind of filling you up kind of stuff. So here's where this takes us. When my amazing mother-in-law brought to my attention that I was, will, I was willing to be generous towards the things of God when it was comfortable and it fit within my margins. It also confronted me with the fact that I had some deeper levels of lack of trust in God. And so I quickly realized that she had a great point 
And Alita and I, we had to stop accepting her generosity to thank her for it and say, you know what? You're right. We need to trust God in this. And so we had to stop accepting it and we had to trust God to fully pay for private preschool education and still give the amount that we had been giving to the church and throw it in the offering plate and plug our ears and go, I hope it works. (laughs) Right? I hope this works. And of course we held our breath because it was no longer a comfortable margin. But our God not only took care of us and met our needs, but he also taught us and taught me more about living in the rhythms of his generous kingdom. And I'm still learning this today, folks. Believe me, I do not consider myself that person who's like, I'm generous a lot. I, I don't. Paul was actually right. We learned this, is that as we, as we live generously towards God, I'm quoting Paul here from what he wrote in the passage. He says, God did meet all of our needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So as I'm telling you, We are all, once we accept Jesus Christ, we are living in a kingdom with an economy that's based on generosity. So here's the call. Trust God by investing in the the enduring economy of generosity. Learn to live in those rhythms. And if you had success, praise God for that success. Keep on growing. Now, I will say this, by the way. The first step of trusting God's generous kingdom economy is to enter that kingdom is to get into that kingdom and i will say if you have not yet said yes to jesus's offer of salvation from the consequences of sin and they are dire consequences and his offer of abundant life then before i say another word i want to say to you today is the day of salvation for you is to say, I want to experience that generosity and I want to experience salvation and I want to experience abundant life is to pause right where you're at right now and tell Jesus, I'm saying yes. And if you said that to Jesus, would you please tell a loved one you said yes? says in scripture, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. But for those of us who already believe, would you allow me to just kind of share a few observations this week when I wrote that down, I was thinking, you're like, really, Andy? You're going to talk to us about money? No, please don't share those observations. But allow me to share some observations. First, allow me to praise Faith Community Church. If you, if you can handle that. Can you handle me to praise you? Is that okay? I want to praise you for the tangible ways that you have held together over these last two years. And the ways that you have cared for one another and the ways that you have given consistently through this pandemic and how there has been a core, a committed core of people who have helped meet the functional ministry needs of this church through these last two difficult years. I I want to praise you because like Paul, more than gratitude for how you've helped to cover the costs of ministry and how you've helped get ministry stuff done, I'm actually personally more moved by what it all means about your hearts and how you're trying to be generous as Jesus is generous. And we're all in the growth curve of learning to live in this economy of generosity. I want to praise you for that. At the same time, allow me to observe some points of growth, I think, for us at Faith Community Church. The first one, I think there's just some room for volunteering 
And I'm glad Royal Family Camp spoke up about the need for volunteers. The kingdom of God, by the way, just so you know, most people don't get paid for what they do. So, and I, let me say this too. Believe me, I get it. The ability to give any time and talent to ministry, it all dried up when two years ago we were told, let's squash the curve. Remember that language? <laughs> so we had to quarantine, right? And, we, and, and the, the whole way we did church, we had to reinvent it. And so it, that, that all went away overnight. Time and talent not available. And, and we, the elders, Tara, Sarah, the whole staff, Kayla, we've tried not to push because we understand how spent and tired everybody still is. And I have no idea how long we're all going to feel spent and tired. I know I feel. Yet I have to say, to move forward in the mission of this church in the coming year, as God opens things up, it's going to require more hands and hearts, offering time and talent. Royal Family Camp needs people offering their hands and their hearts. Here at our church, we need people offering time to, with all the things related to worship here on Sunday morning, which is a key part of our ministry. It's not all of it. I know Heather could use people who would be willing to serve and lead community groups and host community groups. And the tech team, who's done so much for two years long to make sure that we could somehow try to worship. And our prayer team, and our ministry to kids, which is a phenomenal ministry, and our ministry to youth, which is a phenomenal ministry, and music and more. I think there's a growth curve for us here at the church in the coming year to volunteer and help out. Second, I think there's room for growth in giving. I do. At the same time as praising you for giving, um, I think it's fair to speak towards our growth curve. And, and, I, and I'll speak to it because if you're like me, um, whatever you have been giving consistently in the last couple years has become pretty comfortable. Right? And here's how it's happened in my life. It becomes comfortable because at first it was a risk. Because you're like, and then God does what he does. He takes care of your needs. And then you're like, oh, okay, this is working. And so as you've been given that amount every month, to the point that your giving doesn't really require a whole heck of a lot of trust anymore. And thus you're not really growing more deeply in the rhythms of God's generosity. One of the things that the elders have been praying about and discussing is the vision for what is Faith Community Church going to look like in the next five to ten years. And we're not God. We don't know, of course. But we kind of wonder, there's a sort of a picture emerging. Love to hear your feedback on this when we grab coffee outside. A picture is emerging of maybe God's calling us to sort of grow the staff of Faith Community Church where we can bring in a new champion for new frontiers of ministry. The question mark that's maybe emerging is college ministry, bringing in more 20-somethings and the vitality of that into this church, as well as to care even better for the current staff who have been not as well paid as could be done. And I'm not even pointing at myself. I'm talking about the rest of the staff. We believe God's going to ask us to grow in giving, both by new people finding their way into this beautiful community. Because right, we're all in the great reshuffle right now. People are moving from our church as well as people are going to find our church. So that's one of the ways. But also to have our members, and I'm putting myself out there, you can check me on this, including me, growing in what they're giving every month so that we can do more of what God is leading us to do. 
Have no fear. I'm not going to give you a QR code right now and make you commit. That's not, that's not going to happen. Here's what I'm going to repeat from Paul as I observe all of this. I'll put it on the screen. It's not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more is going to be credited to your account. Or as Eugene Peterson retranslated it in the message, it is not that I'm looking for handouts. I want you to experience the deeper, richer blessing that issues from living in the economy of generosity. I invite Rodney and uh, Todd to come on up. Um, You know, last week I said, I I, I don't know. I don't know when the dust of this pandemic settles. I don't know when that's going to happen. I wish I did, but I don't. And I don't know what the world's going to look like when the dust settles. But I do know this. Last week, Paul was talking to us in Philippians about the need to be interpersonally healthy, healthy in our relationships, intrapersonally healthy, internally, our mind and our emotions healthy. The world's going to need us to be those kinds of people as the world's going to be in pain and have needs, and we need to be those kind of people. I also want to add, as Paul finishes Philippians, the world is going to need people who are free from the misadventures of debt. Can I just scream in your little heart and say, get out of freaking debt and get out of the misadventures of desire. Maybe you don't need that bigger TV. I'm speaking to myself. And to live for the generous economy of God's kingdom, whereby participating in the rhythms of that economy, our contentment and our generosity and our adventure makes a difference in the world. They might not feel like it, And the everyday world cultures and the everyday world economies are constantly coming at you and saying, it's all about scarcity. Be very afraid and make sure you self-preserve. I get it. I'm being hit by it. You're being hit by it. But that's not your story. That is not your story. You're part of a new kingdom, the forever enduring kingdom. It's a kingdom of a God who's generous, who says, be like me and be generous. So let's be those kind of people who can trust God by investing in his enduring economy of generosity. Let's pray. Oh, dear God, I I confess, oh, how easy it is to preach a sermon like this. And then I have to look at my own life and go, oh, dear, I have room to grow. Help me. And I'm sure it's probably the cry of everybody else here. Help us to live in your generosity because you have to admit that so much of the feelings that keep us from being that kind of generous people, there's fear, fear of loss, fear of missing out. God, help us to listen to your spirit and to trust you and to become like Jesus and to be generous like your son. In the name of Jesus, the generous one. Amen. Thank you for listening to this production of Faith Community Church in Santa Cruz, California. To visit our complete archive of sermons, to learn more about FCC, or to view our live streaming services, please visit us online at santacruzfaith.org.